Hello and welcome to another edition of the Showgame Podcast with me, Sean Colfer. So we have almost got the complete Nationals field sorted now. We're only missing one game. We'll talk about that shortly. But we have, of the 24 teams that are going to be going to Nationals in the three divisions, we have 23 sets following the conclusion of the league, the cup and the qualification rounds. So we will go through who's done what, who's going to Nottingham to play Nationals, what those scores were and what the national field might look like and what we can expect there shortly. We'll also be talking to representatives from two teams in Ireland. I'll be talking to Liam Grant from Pelt about their open and mixed games uh, the last weekend and also to Kate Boylan from Flame, a new team from Dublin about their game against Gravity also last weekend. It was the Irish qualifiers for Euros which we previewed with Aidan Kelly uh, last week so we'll talk about those games and what happened there and then we will have a review of the structure of the league and what it's like coming next week and then we'll be previewing nationals the week after that. So after this quick break we'll get straight into talking about the results in the UK. So last weekend we saw the end of the regular season where teams lower down in the cup played against each other to determine who would be playing against the teams from the bottom of the league to find those final places at Nationals. A lot of these games were affected by dropouts. We saw that Devon 2 had to drop out. We talked about that last time. Uh, We talked about Red having to drop out. We talked about that last time as well. But there was one more dropout we didn't talk about, which we only found out of on the day of the games. Sheeps, Birds and Bees, the team from the north, uh, who had kind of organised with Uprising to to make it so that they had an easier game. They weren't able to get a team together to play against Scram. So that means that Scram went straight through to Nationals. So there's only two qualification games in the women's division, one of which was basically already determined because Reading played Seoul. Both those teams are already qualified for Nationals because of Reds dropout. So it was more of a seeding game than anything else. And Reading uh, were able to come through with a very dominant win there, 14-2 against Seoul. So Reading um, have stamped their place with some authority to go to Nationals. They'll be seeded higher than Seoul at that tournament, uh, going in with some confidence. The only game that basically had something on the line where one team was going and one team wasn't was Sick against Uprising. That game was, again, a pretty solid win for Sick, 15-7. I think you'd say that's pretty dominant. Uh, from the sounds of it, Sick played really well and Uprising played well, but just weren't able to kind of break through that greater depth that Sick have. So Sick, again, with uh, a good performance there, really going into Nationals off the back of some nice results in their last few games, uh, having had a fairly tough start to the season. But they'll be looking to have improved throughout the season, I'm sure, and we really focused on trying to improve the results they had earlier in the season against both Bristol and Iceni. And certainly I wouldn't bet against them doing that. They've had a lot of time to to work on things. They'll definitely be a better team by the time they face those top two in Nottingham. In the mixed division, we had a few other games. So uh, the first one was the 3-4, the third place qualifying automatically. That was Smog 2 against Oxford. Smog 2, who I had tipped early on as the favourites to win the cup, uh, lost to Leamington Lemmings. And they were able to come through 15-5 against Oxford, sealed third place and went through to nationals. That meant Oxford had to go into the qualification games. So Oxford played Glasgow. That game was very close. There's a couple of different score lines out there. It was either 15-12 or 15-13, but either way around, very, very close. There was a lot of kind of two-point runs, I'm told, where teams were, neither team was able to kind of pull away, and um, it was really close all the way until the end, uh, where Glasgow couldn't quite make up the deficit and uh, and fell 15-12 or 13. So that means that Oxford are through to Nationals, having come through the back door of the Cup. 
And then in the other qualification game, Cambridge, who had already finished um, as the highest placed quarter finalist, played against the fifth place team in the league, which was Birmingham. And Cambridge were able to come away with a pretty dominant win there, 15-8. Uh, it sounds as though Cambridge's zone in the second half really making a difference there. It was 8-5 at half, but uh, Cambridge again able to extend that lead out in the second half and take the game what looks like relatively comfortably uh, in the scoreline in the end, but I'm sure it was pretty tight all the way through uh, in, in fairly challenging conditions. So again, that means we have the mixed field all sorted. And then in the open division, uh, we have one qualifier that hasn't happened yet. Clapham Legends against Kapow has been postponed because of some COVID contacts. So those two teams have not been able to play yet. So in qualification terms, that left us with only two games happening. One was Devon 1 against EDI. Obviously, one of those teams is based in Devon, around Bristol, and one of those teams is based in Scotland, around Edinburgh. So it's a long way between the two teams, and they met in Cheshire, where EDI scored the first point of the game on a break, but thereafter it was 15-3 to Devon, meaning a 15-4 final scoreline and a pretty comfortable win for Devon. Uh, obviously, a lot of travelling for EDI so far this season with their games you know, all win in England, so fair play to Fair play to them for giving it a good go, uh, but Devon through to the national field. And then the other qualification game was one where it was slightly more intrigue because it was Lemmings against Emo. Lemmings had played Emo earlier in the season and had been able to turn them over kind of ahead of any league or cup games, which was a result that all good bad things for Emo, I suppose, but then none of us knew how strong that Emo side was compared to what we'd be playing in the league and also we didn't know whether there was any pickups that Lemmings had. Well it turns out no, that was pretty much the sum of things because uh, Lemmings played Emo and won 15-9. So Lemmings went up 4-0 and then they went to 14-5 eventually. So you know pretty much dominating the game. Emo kind of staged a comeback, scored four points to make it a bit more respectable but uh, Lemmings finishing that game out 15-9. So Lemmings, after reaching the mixed cup final, got a team to nationals in two divisions, the open and mixed divisions, which is very impressive for a team that, while they've been good and they've certainly been building really well over the last few years, um, hadn't really shown this kind of strength in depth before. So great to see another team kind of stepping up and really making a mark on the, the national stage. So if we'll take a quick break here after talking about the qualifiers and then we'll come back and have a quick chat about the cup finals, which also happened last weekend. So the first cup final to talk about is probably the one that was least competitive in terms of scoreline, certainly, and that was Lemmings against Thundering Herd. Now, I obviously backed Thundering Herd last week because I believed in my teammates to be able to get the job done. Uh, I wasn't there. I was at a wedding. But from the sounds of things, the game in Milton Keynes was pretty heavily affected by offensive sloppiness from both teams in the early going. So after about 20 minutes, it was still about 2-1 to Lemmings. It was very, very slow going, but both teams playing zone, both teams kind of struggling to adapt to some, some wins and some different defensive looks, but Lemmings in the end were able to kind of adapt their game and really start coming out and being more clinical offensively and pulled away a bit. So they took half at 8-3, I believe it was. Uh, and from there, they were just able to kind of extend that out and really hold on to that lead. And they won the game 11-4, the scoreline obviously being pretty low, indicating the difficult conditions and also the fact that both teams struggled a bit offensively to, to really be clinical. So uh, congratulations to Lemmings and Lemmings, very worthy winners of the Mixed Cup. They didn't really have a game that was particularly close at any stage. So clearly showing that they are a team to be respected and a team to be feared for, for nationals, uh, for those teams that are looking to go to Euros and, and Worlds. They certainly can't overlook Lemmings. 
So to confirm, the field of eight four nationals will be Reading, Smog, Deep Space, Lemmings, Thundering Herd, Cambridge, Oxford, and Smog 2. Those are the eight teams that will be going to nationals in the mixed division. Next, let's talk about the women's division. So we saw a game between Spice and London Masters in the cup final, which is the cup final that we had been kind of expecting and, and looking forward to in that division. And it was definitely an interesting game from the sounds of things. So Spice started out really strong and were able to take the game to 5-0, really challenging the uh, LMU handler sets, uh, according to the LMU players. But uh, LMU took a timeout. They have a lot of experience. They have a lot of players who've been in really big games and been in a lot of really tight situations and have been able to work themselves out of those situations and just been in big moments. It's a lot of people who have played for Great Britain and and Iceni and SICK and, you know, play for teams that play for Euros or have gone to Euros. So they really know what they're doing and they were able to work some things out with some switching on defence and kind of engaging defenders in their handler sets and moving the disc a bit more quickly and they were able to bring it back to 6-5 on a six-point run to come all the way back into the game. The teams traded out to get to 8-7 at half but LMU were able to take a couple of points coming out of half and extend their lead out to 10-7, game to 11, and they were able to finish that off and get the 11-9 win to secure the National Cup. So a really good win for LMU there. Both those teams obviously already through to Nationals as well, um, but I think a really, really positive game for Spice because up to this point, again, they hadn't been challenged in the Cup, so it was really good to get a competitive game, I imagine, where there was something on the line and they had to play against a team full of really experienced, really talented players and really pushed them um, to the to the brink. So uh, a good final there. And that leaves us with an 18 field for nationals in the women's division. That looks like this. So we have Iceni, we have Bristol, we have Sick, Scram, LMU, Spice, Reading and Seoul. So those are the eight teams that will be fighting out for the national championship in Nottingham in a few weeks. And then in the open division, we saw the tightest cup final of all between Bristol and Smash D. So Smash D, who have been extremely impressive in their run to the cup final, beating teams that are you know much bigger names on the national scene. And then Bristol, who had also been impressive in running through to get to the final and really solidifying the work that they've been doing behind the scenes over the last few years. So those two teams met up in Reading. In the first half, Smash D were able to take a bit of a lead after going on a little roll towards the end of the first half. So it was 8-5 to Smash D at half. But then Bristol were able to bring it all the way back and got to 14-13 up. So they had two chances to win the game. But Smash D held to bring it to Universe Point, got a block on Universe Point uh, with their zone and were able to send a huck downfield, chase it down and get the win. So a really, really tight game where it sounds like both teams played really well and there was a lot of kind of aggressive in a good way and athletic play. So really looking forward to seeing both these teams at Nationals pitting themselves against the Open teams that went through from the league. So that means that we have almost a whole field set in the Open division. As I said, Kapow and Clapham Legends still need to play a qualifier, but the seven teams that are confirmed are Clapham, Chevron, Alba, Devon, Smash D, Bristol and Lemmings and Lemmings. So once we know the final field, we'll have all of that set. As I said earlier on, we'll be having a much more in-depth preview of UK Nationals the week before we get there. So we've still got two weeks before the big event in Nottingham uh, to look forward to, to build up the anticipation for. And uh, we'll be talking to as many people as we can to get a sense of where all those teams are feeling and what all those teams are looking to achieve when we get to the Nationals. So I'll be putting that together over the next couple of weeks, along with, as I said, a kind of 
look back at what worked and what didn't this season with a few guests to talk about the things that they liked and the things they didn't like about the cup and league format and how the season ran this year and their hopes for what things might look like in future years. But uh, that is pretty much the UK season all tied up for now. Uh, we also had some important games in Ireland last weekend, so we'll take a quick break and then we'll get back to talk about those games. So this weekend we saw European qualifiers in Ireland. So that was in each division games to see who would represent Ireland at EUCF in Bruges. This is not the national championships. This is not all Ireland's. The all Ireland championships will be later in the year. Those will be determining world's places. Uh, world's places which still haven't been determined how many each country will get. Uh, the bids haven't yet been, been released by Wuftuff. But what these are is it's the first competitive games in Ireland since the pandemic to determine who's going to EUCF. So let's talk to people who were there and who played in those games and have a much better idea of how they went than I do. So I spoke to Liam Grant from Pelt. Uh, I'll talk to Liam first about the open game against Ranler. XVI were there as well, but both Ranler and Pelt were able to beat XVI. So uh, we're really just talking mainly about the game to go, which was Ranler versus Pelt. And then also uh, the game between Pelt and Jabba the Huck, which was determining the mixed representative from Ireland that went to EUCF and a little bit about Pelt as a mixed team something that I was not entirely familiar with because I've only ever really known Pelt as an open team so uh, Liam and I had a chat about that and then I spoke to Kate from Flame about uh, Flame as a, as a team they're a fairly new team from Dublin a fairly young team from Dublin what they're looking to do and then how their qualifier was against Gravity so let's hear from Liam and Kate. So I'm joined now by fireman, surfer, commentator, renaissance man, Liam Grant. How are you? Great, Sean. How's things? How's yourself? Yes, doing well, doing well. Getting to the end of the season over here, but really just the beginning of the season for you over there. So first things first, it was your first weekend playing, I suppose, in quite some time. How was it? It was great, yeah. It's the first time playing since COVID, or at least a competitive match anyway. I'd gone to... A handful of trainings which is probably generous word to use <laughs> very very few trainings so it was great and yeah I, I actually really enjoyed it. it was great to be with lads again felt somewhat normal obviously like we went out for a few drinks and all other covid passports and sitting at tables outside inside all sorts of things going on but it was yeah yeah i remembered why i really enjoyed playing the sport which i kind of forgotten for a while that's good. That's good. And it was first run out for your Pelt's new GAA base kits as well. I noticed looking looking pretty good. Yeah, very tight the kit. <laughs> it looks it. Those shorts as well. Not, not nothing very forgiving there. Yeah, I'm wearing larges in both, and like they are. I'm going to order extra large next time. And like I don't mind the tight fitting, but like we are. I think we look great, but like. I think it puts a lot of pressure on us to keep a certain weight, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not very it's not forgiving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, I like the kit. I like the... It's new, isn't it? It's a different different way of doing it. I like it. I think it looks cool. But uh, yeah, no, I definitely get what you're talking about. So two games in two divisions for Pelt this weekend. Let's talk about Open first. Uh, obviously, you played uh, Ranler and did you, you played XBI as well, right? We did, yeah, but yeah, basically two games. Three yeah. end. I suppose yeah. XVI were kind of there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe XVI stop stop listening now, but yeah, I, clearly the Ranler game you played against them so many times, you know them all really well. How was the game against Ranler? 
It was it was enjoyable. It was as we expected. Maybe to start off with us trying our zone, which has won us two All Irelands against them in the last most recent years, anyway. And I think we're expecting it not to work this time, and it, and it didn't. I think the main reasons was they kind of, I think they changed their handler setup to be good against the zone, where they had Matthew Feely, Freddie Rogers is back, and. You know, I'd say this time with coach Ian French, they probably talked a lot more about it than they have in previous years and really went to go nullify that zone. And they did that very well. So pretty early on in the match, we stopped uh, We stopped playing it. So I know they were excited about that. And it was like, great, you beat a zone. We're talking about it after the game referred <laughs> to it. It was like, took you about three years to figure out the zone. I don't know if you want a round of applause, but uh, they did. And they did a great job. But so we had to change that straight away. It was a very messy game. I don't think there was a clean point in it if there was maybe one or two a lot of high turnovers it was very windy and wet so that lent itself to it it got pretty unspirited like uh through the game i think a lot of the reason was was just there was a lot of jump balls and a lot Mm. of this being slipped out of people's hands and this made a lot of like you know just it just led for a lot of weird catches and contact and Mm -hmm. Maybe what I'd call soft calls coming from both sides pretty early on in the game. And then there was this spirit timeout. Oh, wow. Okay. Like I don't I think said, it was that unspirited, really, but we had one. So you, you know them. Oh, I mean, you know them. They know you really well. You play, what, three, four times every year. And I suppose that kind of familiarity can kind of breed this kind of thing if things start going slightly off the rails. But yeah, tough in those conditions as well. Yeah, it was strange. So they, they took an early lead, went up or oh, 6 3. And then we had a four-point run and went seven-six. And we had a pretty good chance to take half. And then it was a bit weird that seven-six point or the, the point to go and ended up going seven-seven. And then there was a a spear timeout, but we didn't huddle up for ages. Randall started getting water instead of a drink. Someone called a spear timeout. I was like, I'm pretty sure we're supposed to huddle up. And then the captains talked for a few minutes. And then we huddled up. And uh Randall, took half and then we had yeah, another break but then it was really spirited after that probably overly spirited then after that I thought it was a bit I kind of preferred when it was a bit uh, <laughs> bit more contact with Argy Bridge you kind of went over the other side of the end so yeah it was a strange game Randall won was it 11-8 um, proved too strong in the end I think they finally got their tactics right against us which is playing handlers who are very good against the zone often they've played handlers who have big throws and um are kind of staticky handlers and try to pick stuff apart their throws. Well, this time Ferdy and, and Feely were able to kind of pop and run through that zone a lot better. And secondly, they would play tighter lines, which is hard for some of the players. I think Randall have a really deep squad where they have 24, 25 people who are of the same level, essentially. But in a game like that, I, I think you want, you know, the place you play the same O-line the whole time. They didn't use all the players and this allows play- people to get into the game before mm. they're putting on people fresh legs the whole time and yeah. people aren't touching the disc very much and it's very hard for them to get into the game well we would essentially play our best players pretty much every point or as much points as we can so yeah it was a well-deserved victory for Anla I have to say but uh through creative teeth uh. <laughs> yeah 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 ah, they're, they're a great bunch of lads and uh, they're a good team I hate losing to them but uh, I played well, which is actually 
is all right, which is the main take-home point from that. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you think, I mean, you mentioned having uh, Ian French coaching the team. How much do you think that that's, that's helped them? He's obviously had a lot of success managing Irish teams. Yeah, I think it's helped them a lot. I think it just takes a burden off Ferdia or one of the players that, let's say, I think a hard decision in that Pelt game was to just play the same players the whole time on offense. And I think it's much easier to put that kind of, if you're annoyed, well, you're annoyed at the coach as opposed to the captain. Mm. So I think, I don't think they're playing drastically different tactics or doing whatever, but I think it's just taking that burden off the players. And I think he's kept their, their same ethos and, and what they're doing, but just, it's, it's always great to have a, a non-playing coach. So yeah, I think, he's, I think he's helped them a lot. So moving on to mixed, he played on Sunday. A few of the same lads. And obviously, uh, you've got uh, some of the the young women I know that are coming through in Pelt, and you played Jabba. Um, a good win for Pelt there. How was that game? Yeah, it was good. We played without Podge Sweeney for this one. So we played with Podge uh, against Ranala, which is was maybe a little bit unfair because we're thinking, like, we're probably, as you know, he's going to play with Bologna at uh, UCF. So Podge was not there. We had a pretty much the same squad that if we got to UCF, we... Uh, we would bring the same players. So it was, it was good in, in that sense. Uh, Jabba was, weren't as strong as they have been in previous years. Mm. You know, before it used to be a lot of Keith Myrna, Liam Fletcher, Sarah Melvin, Fiona Myrna, like none of those players really. Some good XVI players who play Jabba and then a, a mix of kind of the fun people from Dublin, let's say, kind of more chill party team. So uh, it was very, very windy again, very, very up-down wind and... Yeah, we, we dominated the game, essentially, I think. I think it ended at 15-8, but it was the first time in Ireland that a competitive game was played with the gender mixed pulling rule. So we did the the Liam Granty rule. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> One of my Rennie rules. I don't take all credit for it. <laughs> I, it's in the rules because of me. Uh, it's actually only in the rules for World Games, so I was EUF who... Uh, who took it on board, but I'm still claiming it as a, oh, a wow. rule I pioneered. Yeah, I uh, I pioneered it in the WFDF rules anyway, but it was good. It was nice to play it. Um, a very upwind, downwind game. So it was good to see how, how it would work in that. And it was great. And it is, went flawlessly. The, the big, pro- not problem, but the hardest thing about it is remembering. But it's, it's, it's I guess it ties in remembering... Is it four men or four women on the line? Just remembering the A, B, B, A, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So once you remember that, you're going to remember who's who's pulling. But as we saw in uh, the European Ultimate Championships where, you know, GB and France messed it up, like, actually, you need, you really need someone with a pen and paper taking note of it, whether that's Just a coach or a volunteer yeah. or something. Because every single point we were looking at each other and people were saying, no, this end zone, it should be, or every two. And like, so that was confusing. But in terms of the actual pulling itself, uh, I don't think it changed how the game was played at all. I think we had uh, Anya Hart was playing with us. And we always said, you know, if we have four women on the line going upwind, you need to be on that line. So that was, I guess, uh, a tactical adjustment that we had to make. And she... I know she was practicing her pulls a lot before the game, as was, I think, Ian McAuliffe. And uh, no, McCarthy, you were doing pulls for us a lot. So, yeah, I think that was probably the most interesting part of the game was uh, seeing that gender mixed pulling rule. 
Yeah, we're using it over here now, and I I really like it. I don't really understand why people wouldn't like it. To be honest with you, it just adds another interesting tactical wrinkle, and just means that more people get to pull. Which is, you know, as long as people are practicing pulling, it's it's fine. It's not much of an issue. I mean, there's definitely a couple of women on our team who can pull it as well as most of the blokes can. So I just don't really see much of a problem. So good to hear that it was going well. I know you were looking at potentially entering in the mixed division in 2019. Obviously, before that all got canned. Um, or before 2020 got canned. What what's the development of Pelt as a mixed team? Is is it becoming more of a mixed team? Is it diversifying into other divisions? Like where is where is that kind of movement come from? I've really known it only as an open team. Yeah, so we won the mixed championships. Was it 2018, 2019? What is it? Whenever the last time we had Irish mixed, <laughs> champ- we're still Irish mixed champions. Uh, we won it, and we and there was a lot of young women on the team. A woman, Eva McKeown, has done a lot of. Uh, work to the bread fish rather than like her 15 year old sister and some other kind of teenagers and stuff like that i know yeah i remember one time that mixed final we had three women on the line and they're all 15 years old or 16 years old or something like that and they're really good they were really good so they're all kind of coming up now and they're very very safe hands we don't really have any superstars yet maybe that christine mckeown ifa's little sister will be i think she's only 17, 18 now, and she plays the handler, and she's very good, very solid. But uh, yeah, before three, four years ago, they, we didn't have a great women's side, to be honest. But now we do, and they are like all the lads, all the lads are kind of in their late twenties, early thirties. The kind of pelt generation of men, while all the women's generation are very much younger, kind of nineteen, twenty, a lot. There's a few others a little bit older, but we're a very young team. And yeah, we 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 talked about. Last year, if UCF was to happen, we basically said we're going to send a mixed team because the women were training more than we were. They were at a little WhatsApp group for fitness and stuff like that. And it's clear they're probably putting in more effort in COVID off-season times and organizing a lot of stuff. And they, they have a little their own little friend group as well where they do stuff together as a women's side. And we're like, well, if they're training more than us and we have the option of going... <laughs> mixed or open it's, it seemed only really fair that we we go mixed so um i think if we got both bids we probably would have went mixed yeah that's that's what we did last time i, I last time i wanted even though it didn't happen i wanted us to send two teams an open and mixed team and we probably would have one of them probably would have sucked but would have <laughs> stopped randley going which was <laughs> <laughs> which i would have got a lot of joy from i would happily like play in the bad open team and get bageled then uh and deny Ranla a bid, but yeah, so we're going mixed and uh, Ranla going open, and it means you know, gravity going women. So we're gonna have three really strong teams from Ireland, I think. I think we'll be actually a very good mixed squad. What's it like playing? I mean, what's it like with playing mixed as Pelt, which has been an open team, and that kind of that all those guys have been friends for years, and now you're obviously introducing a different element with it being a mixed team, and then also what's it like with the I mean, the different generations, I suppose, is pretty much what it is. If there's kind of a big difference between the, the men and the women, what's it like? Has it been fun having that injection of, you know, young players into the team? Yeah. Yeah, really good. A lot of them come from a GA background, especially the, the younger women. So they're, they can hang with us kind of loud mouthed, you know, lads like throw themselves <laughs> around. They, they fully fit in with that and like will stand up for themselves and make fun of us and, fit in i think a lot has to do with Aoife becomes kind of the women's captain and captain of the mixed as well is partners with christy tinkler i don't know if you know christy so 
they get on pretty well and they kind of run a lot of stuff together. So I'm glad they get yeah, yeah, they have to get on and definitely <laughs> Eve is the boss in that relationship. So <laughs> so I think it's great. We kind of like playing mixed. Uh, I think we'll probably go to Bruges with an attitude like we're definitely going to be drinking and stuff like that. But I I don't see why we couldn't win it. Depends. I'm not sure if I think Salzburg and Chut and stuff like that are and probably Smogger are probably a little level of, above us and playing mixed and having that mixed experience. But uh, I think our our men are of that probably that same level. Our women just what they did against Jabazo, they just don't make mistakes. They're probably not superstars, but they know how to play mixed really well. They know how to play within their their limits really well and. They've got good hands, good strong GA hands. So, I think I think we could take some scalps hopefully in the mixed division. That's good. That's good. And then I mean, the European qualifiers are obviously the beginning of the season. You've got all islands left to come. Um, where do you think Pelt as a club is going to set up going to all islands? Yeah, I, th- I think actually, even though we lost the game against Ranla, I feel actually more confident in going into that game. You know, we were seven six up outside the end zone chance of break. I think we knew. If we played at the same level we have in the last few years, we'd win that game. And probably in the back of our heads, like this wasn't the game. You know what I mean? I think a lot of us knew that we'd probably end up picking mixed and that we'd win the mixed game. And we tend to, when it matters most, kind of turn it on, Pelt, and we probably didn't in that game. I think we're probably going to abandon the zone. That's not going to be a secret weapon or the kryptonite we use against uh, Ranlas. So I think that's probably good to maybe start thinking about different ways of beating them and leave that behind and move on to other other tactics and stuff like that. So I think it'd be a great game, probably another game which a lot of calls and very scrappy <laughs> and goes down to a close scoreline. But I'm looking forward to it. I enjoyed the game. So, you know, good. yeah. Good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's great to hear that... Uh... If everything's kind of back up and running again in Ireland, I know it's been a, a long time. And I'm when we started over here, it must have been must have been some um, some jealous eyes cast over here. I suppose we've been there for a few weeks now. But yeah, yeah. we we're now winning the vaccination race, though. We now That's have true. more That's people true. vaccinated than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the head start. Yeah, we did, we did, but uh, ours has slowed down considerably. But hopefully, both of us get to the point where we can see you over here at some point fairly soon. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Because let's be honest. UK Ultimate's nothing about us. We add the spice. We are. <laughs> I was about to say we are the spice, but you do have a team called Spice. We do. Now we have a team called Spice. So yeah, you, yeah. additional spice, maybe. Extra yeah, yeah. spice. Irish spice. Irish spice, which is basically <laughs> no spice, to be fair. <laughs> That's us, baby. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Liam. Uh, talk to you soon and hopefully, hopefully see you soon. Yeah, see you soon, mate. So I'm joined now by Kate Boylan from Flame. Kate, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, good to be here. <laughs> it's good, I'm glad. Um, so let's talk a bit about Flame before we talk about the game against, against Gravity. So Flame's a pretty new team. How did the team come about? What was the impetus behind starting it? So I suppose it's been in the works since uh, the 2019 cycle of under-20s. Um there'd been kind of an interest in a lot of the core players on that team to start um, a team once they got home to Ireland. So there were a few different iterations of the club before it actually came into existence as it is now. Fiona Myrna, who has played on 
countless Irish teams and is like a stalwart played with a team which resembles the flame a lot uh, in the 2019 All-Irelands, but under the guise of fire. So, you know, we were we were certain with a pretty close, uh, <laughs> pretty close uh, name and team look like. But um, I think it really took off once um, Sinead Dunn, who had been one of the under 20s coach coaches on that team, uh, she moved up to Dublin and she was like, right, let's get this show on the road kind of thing. So. Yeah, we started training in July of 2020, which was um, an interesting time to start a club. And yeah, it's just kind of taken off from there. Um, so we're based in North, North Dublin, uh, because it's near the school that essentially formed half of that Irish under 20s team. So we know that because of the teachers in that school, there's going to be a constant flow of ultimate frisbee players hopefully uh appearing out of uh Sutton so um yeah so we're set up there and uh we train twice a week and so far it's going pretty well yeah so it goes without saying if you've kind of established from the the basis of an under 20s team that it must be a very young team what's it like with these kind of young players I imagine it must be their first experience of club ultimate what's it like kind of being with them for that for that experience yeah, it it's it's kind of wild to be honest because I've so my first experience of ultimate was also under twenties, which is shockingly ten years ago now. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit like um, it's kind of weird watching people going through all those experiences with like ten years of experience now. Um, like looking at some of them turning up on Saturday for the European qualifiers with their first pair of boots like you're kind of going okay right you've you've trained the entire season in runners and now we're getting into the big leagues (laughs) we've bought the football boots yeah 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 so um yeah it's kind of it's crazy to see like the potential and just the excitement I think that exists in all of them for the sport and like we've not played a proper tournament yet like we haven't gone anywhere and played multiple matches like it's they've had such a different experience of ultimate so I think their like their learning curve is going to be very different to a lot of others but I think the the kind of atmosphere that we've tried to develop in the club is very much um like high level competitive but fun so uh, yeah, Sinead and Fiona were both part of that Irish team that won Euros and I was on the mixed team. So, you know, our experience is hopefully lending itself to teaching the girls who have only played schools ultimate or, you know, maybe only played that one real tournament in Poland at under 20s. And so, yeah, it's it's trying to balance all those different levels and trying to um like make it competitive but I think we're managing so far it seems that we're managing it and like we're getting you know people who are like oh I might come and train uh and then suddenly they're becoming like central parts of the club and like yeah yeah so it's I think it's been interesting as well because obviously with lockdowns and stuff socializing has been really different and I think in a way this has been a 
good time to start a club because people are like oh yeah I'll just go see all my friends and it's not like we have to adhere to you know on five people in a house or whatever the rules are it's just go and train and you know get some endorphins from running around and get some endorphins from socializing so um it's been it's been really positive I think there's a lot of really good players in Ireland and there has been for a long time but Fiona is you know one of the best players that's come out of Ireland it must be pretty amazing for these players who are so early in their careers to be playing with somebody who's you know that good and has been that good for so long yeah yeah and I think it's something that we obviously don't take for granted in terms of like having that experience or Fiona's phenomenal, obviously, but I think we are very focused on it not being like, let's put everyone or let's put Fiona on a pedestal or Brina Healy, who is also on that Irish team. She's been playing with us now for a few weeks and, you know, we've very much been like, we're not putting people on pedestals. Uh, we're we're going to go out and compete and whatever you can do to shut Fiona down unbelievable that's great and it's very much a you're here to compete to improve yourself but you're also here to have fun and I think it's it's striking the balance of like how competitive you want it to be but I think for the most part the buy-in that we've had has been really good because we are framing it in a really positive way of you get this unbelievable chance to play with Fiona and play with Brina and play with Sinead. And I keep using the same names, but there's a whole host of women on the team who are unbelievably talented. And I think it's, it's amazing to have the depth and the talent on the team from so early on, but it's not something that we're going to like overthink or let daunt ourselves in a way. Mm. And I think we like when something happens at training or whatever, and you're just like Fiona's like roasted someone deep or, you know, Brina's guide someone, whatever. It's always like, oh, you know, what? I'm really glad when it comes to the competitions, they're playing with us and not against us. It's like yeah, that yeah. sort of idea. But yeah, I think everyone's just delighted to be able to play together and have that sort of crack and that bond together. So talking about the, the gravity game specifically, um, so like I said, first competitive game for, for a while. Um, how was the game overall? Like how, was, how did everyone enjoy it? What did you kind of, what did you learn from it going into all islands later in the year? Yeah, so we had had two friendlies uh, in the run-up, just, I guess, getting, getting used to playing 7v7 because oftentimes we wouldn't get those sort of numbers to training. But we... I think because we've been working so much in kind of pod groups and like really intensively when it came to playing the European qualifiers, uh, we knew that there was a opportunity for us to compete. Uh, like in one of our friendlies, we had beaten gravity. So we knew that it was possible. And I think it was just like, we didn't call lines really. We just needed to make sure that we were, that everyone was getting pitch time and so at qualifiers, we were mainly just focused on keeping ourselves in the game. Like I, the weather was shocking. Like I really cannot like exaggerate how bad the weather was. The last time we had played Frisbee was siege and it was siege weather on like, like 10 times, you know, 
so it was yeah it was wet and windy and maybe not as cold but you know it was very much a throwback <laughs> um, so there was a lot of zone play and I think that might have been kind of the the thing that really got us because we had we knew after our first friendly because we just played person defense we we're like okay you know we we can compete at this level our second friendly gravity introduced the zone and our offense kind of just wasn't able to deal with it there was just a lot of people who had never really played against the zone before so we spent the kind of week or two between the friendly and qualifiers training zone and uh, we've been really lucky in uh, the support that we've gotten from a lot of the men's clubs in Dublin and they've come out and they've helped us, you know, have seven people to play a zone against or play offense against whatever zone that they might throw out against us. So, yeah, shout out to all of those guys because we would have been absolutely scuppered at the weekend if we hadn't had a few sessions of just running through zone. But yeah, so I think it kind of it taught us that like we I guess we could compete at a at a high level and you know a few more training sessions a few more zones maybe to play against and uh I think we'll be in really good shape especially for next year like I think we're all fairly aware that it's such a new club and you know people are only kind of getting into it now so I think our aim for qualifiers was to go and compete but we knew that it was unlikely maybe that we were going to go to Euros but it was still worth a shot so I think looking forward to All-Irelands now it's kind of ramping up a little bit it kind of feels like a build up to a big tournament even though it's just like (laughs) (laughs) All-Irelands so it's been so uh, long though I suppose it's anything anything seems like because we have nationals coming up in a few weeks over here and it's a smaller nationals than we've had in a long long time but considering we haven't had a weekend tournament since you know well over two years I suppose it's yeah. uh it feels huge even though it's not really that big yeah yeah uh it's the same here as in like you know women's is going to be one day but it feels like almost that we're heading over for like a week tournament or something I don't know maybe that's just me though I'm just very excited by the prospect of getting to play multiple matches in one day but yeah, so hopefully, like we haven't fully decided yet, but hopefully we'll we'll send two teams. We had great turnout at training last night. And so all that sort of stuff is really um, exciting, I guess. And, you know, there's been like a few, like five or six of the girls who have like been really, really solid coming to every single training. And I think it'd be great to have a really cohesive first team and then a second team where you know people who have only really gotten into training in the last little while that they might get to blend and gel together uh, and compete at a level that they're comfortable at but like I guess yeah I'm just so excited by the whole the whole team because having played with Gravity a couple of years ago like the prospect of having a second Dublin team at that time was just like so out of reach we're kind of scraping numbers to get to one Dublin training at that time so to now have two really populated squads is unbelievable so yeah it's, it's great to see and we're really I think we're really looking forward to playing against Gravity again because we know that 
even if we don't have the same experience level, we have uh, very athletic players. So it, it creates that kind of fun dynamic. And I guess getting to see what maybe Pelt or Rebel can kind of throw into the mix as well, considering we've played Gravity three times now, we kind of know what to expect. It'll be interesting to have different sorts of competition, especially from Pelt, because I feel like a lot of the other under 20s uh, that would have played with those girls who kind of started the team, they were the other half of the Irish team, more or less. Right. So there's a lot of um, very athletic uh, players on that team. So I think it'll be interesting to see how our style of Frisbee battles with theirs. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to All-Irelands. Um, and yeah, I think we're just going to keep keep working on our zone and uh, keep working on, I guess, playing playing the ultimate that we enjoy. I think um, Fiona described it at one training as fast and loose. And uh, yeah. I, I like it as a tagline. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah. Great. Well, it sounds really positive. Sounds sounds like it's uh, it's, it's it's definitely great to have obviously more than one more than one team in Dublin. And uh, good luck for good luck for all islands. Good luck with the rest of the training. Good luck working on that zone. And uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Thanks, a million. Nice to talk to you. Okay, thank you very much to Liam and to Kate for talking to me about the games in Ireland. Really useful to hear about what happened last weekend there. And thank you to everybody, everybody who's contributed and spoken to me and helped out with background and all that kind of stuff all the way through the season. Uh, it's been really appreciated and I've enjoyed doing these podcasts and kind of keeping people updated as much as possible. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to them as well. And thank you from me to everybody for listening to them. It's been great playing Frisbee again, obviously. I speak for everybody when I say that, I'm sure, but it's also been great to talk about Frisbee and to see the people that I haven't seen in ages and to hear Frisbee gossip and talk about the things that you miss when you aren't playing and you aren't in a situation where games are going on all over the country. So I've really enjoyed this first part of the season. Uh, hopefully we can keep this going uh, for the next part of the season, going into nationals. Uh, as I said earlier, I'll be working on some preview stuff and also some reflective stuff looking back at the season. So check back next week and the week after for that. I talked about the cup finals earlier in this podcast. Uh, Connor Hogan, Hoagie, uh, has got the video of the women's final and also the open final uh, on his YouTube channel now, I believe. That's public, so if you haven't seen those, I know Connor and Hoagie talked about it on Send It this week, but if you haven't seen that, um, go to Hoagie's YouTube channel and the uh, two cup finals are there for you to watch. They were both really good games, so I would recommend going to go and do that. But until next week, when we have some reflective stuff to talk about, about how the season's gone so far, that is it for now, and I will speak to you all soon.